Thanks, Deacon. So for this Word of God Sunday, as Deacon just proclaimed this gospel, we enthroned the gospel, the book of the gospel today, just to give extra emphasis and importance to um, the Word of God, not only today, but every single Sunday. As you probably know and are aware that the Mass has two parts, the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the Eucharist. So all that we've just been experiencing was the liturgy of the Word. Once again, good morning, my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's good to be here with you this morning. Hopefully you students had a good first week of school Crazy that we're in the spring semester that flies by so fast, as any of you sophomores through seniors know. Freshmen, uh, get ready. It's going to be awesome. And definitely a welcome to anybody who maybe this is your first time at Mass. So you're always welcome here at St. Mary's, whether you're Catholic or not. Definitely this is a place that you're always welcome. And also we had a wedding yesterday, so any guests from that wedding, uh, welcome as well. So like I said, my friends, this Sunday we celebrate the Word of God Sunday with Holy Mother Church. So if you went to Mass anywhere across the world this Sunday, then you would be hearing about Word of God Sunday. So Pope Francis unites us in this celebration this weekend. And Pope Francis declared the Word of God Sunday in order to help the church to grow in love and faithful witness to Christ. Pope Francis said, salvation, faith, unity, and mercy all depend on knowing Jesus Christ and sacred scripture. Also, we got to be real. You know, as Catholics, sometimes we do have a bad rap about not knowing the Bible, not knowing sacred scripture. And I think if we are honest, and you can do kind of a self-check on this one, maybe that's partly true, which is no bueno. You know, we got we to gotta kind of grow in that area, you know, because this is the foundation of our faith. And as Catholics, we do need to, and there's awesome movements right now, and, and I think among our generation of really us as Catholics diving into the word, which is a great hope, I think, for the future of our church. So my friends, this morning, I'd like to briefly reflect with you first on the word of God, and then to dive into our gospel today to open up that word, hopefully physically, but also in your mind and in your heart. So firstly, the question is, what is or who is the word of God? So there's two distinctions I'd like to make with you this morning of the word of God. First, the Word of God is Jesus Christ himself. He's the second person of the Holy Trinity. We're told in the very beginning of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We later hear in John's Gospel, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. At that part during our creed when we say later on, we all bow to show the importance and significance of the word becoming flesh, which, my friends, as you know, we call the incarnation, when the second person of the Holy Trinity becomes man in Jesus Christ. So why is this important? Why is Jesus becoming man important? Why do we bow at that instance during our creed? Well, God in his goodness and his wisdom chose to reveal himself. He didn't have to, to reveal himself to us. And he started that through creation itself. That we can know that there's a God through the beauty of the mountains, the maj majesty of the oceans. And he first revealed himself to Adam and Eve and then through the Old Testament, through the prophets. And most fully, he reveals himself through his son, Jesus Christ, and through the apostles. We hear in John 14, to see Jesus is to see the Father. So through Jesus' words and deeds as he walked on this earth, through the times that he had miracles, the times that he ate and spoke with the disciples and the apostles, but most especially through his death and through his glorious resurrection, my friends, and then him sending the Holy Spirit when he ascended to the Father, 
That is God revealing himself to us, a choice that he makes out of love so that we know who he is, that we know that he is a God of love and that he came in order to free us from darkness and sin and death and to raise us up to eternal life so that one day we could join him someday forever in eternity. We also know that God desired everything that he revealed throughout salvation history to be handed on from generation to generation. From Jesus, when he left this earth, he ascended to the Father, that he passed it on to the apostles, and that's been carried on through the church so that we have received it today. And praise God and hopefully God that it continues, and we know that it will into the future. So how does that happen? How did God design for that passing down to happen throughout the generations? Well, as we know, Jesus commissioned the 12 apostles that we hear about in our gospel today, the first four of Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And these apostles, their mission was to preach to all peoples the teachings of the prophets and the good news of Jesus Christ himself. These men who walked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, who laughed with Jesus, were observing his every move. That these men absorbed all of this through the power of the Holy Spirit and that they passed on Jesus' teachings, his very words, his, the observances they had to us and to the generations after them. That is the early church, my friends. And we call this the tradition of the church. Tradition, my friends, is one of the fonts, we could say, or the springs of divine revelation. The wellspring of divine revelation, there's two. Sacred tradition is one of them. It's one way that God communicates himself to us and how he desires for us to live our lives, to live our faith, and to follow the teachings of Christ himself. Now, this could be a distinction of maybe if you have some Protestant friends that would say that there's only one font of divine revelation, that being sacred scripture. As Catholics, something that is distinct is that we say that there are two fonts of revelation, both from the same wellspring of God himself. And so this is where it comes in the second meaning of the word of God. So first, Jesus Christ himself, the word of God being sacred scripture, which is that second spring, the font of revelation, sacred scripture itself. And my friends, here's the thing. The church had already been around 300 years, over 300 years before sacred scripture, the Bible was compiled as we know it. The writings had all been written down and were mostly being used in the early church. But the Bible as we know it today was not compiled till 382 AD at the Council of Rome and then confirmed in a couple of councils right after that by the bishops of the early church and through the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. So we'd say that the church authority and hierarchy precedes the Bible. And this brings us back, we could say, to the Sola Scriptura, to place in your mind and in your heart as you keep trying to continue to understand our Catholic faith. That the church, which we could say including the magisterium, the pope and the bishops, for those 300 years of the early church, that they preceded the Bible as we know it today. Something just interesting to, to put on your mind for the rest of today. All right, so how do we know or how did the church at the time decide on which writings were divinely inspired? Because there were a lot of writings at the time. So how did they decide on the 73 books of the Bible, which we have today? There are three main criteria. The first one is when they were looking at these sacred writings, was the writing orthodox? So orthodox meaning, did it conform to Jesus's message and his teachings? 
Number two, was the writing before them as they were deciding, was it traceable to the apostles and to their companions? And then finally, the third one is, were the writings read in the early liturgies, the early masses of the church from the time of Jesus until 382 AD? The three stipulations, orthodox, traceable, and then finally, was it read in the early liturgy? So for example, my friends, there is the Gospel of Thomas, which was around at that time. If you look at your Bible, you're not going to find the Gospel of Thomas. We only got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the Gospel of Thomas, there's a story in it, kind of makes me chuckle a little bit, where Jesus is in the second story of a house, and he kicks his friend out the window, and the friend dies. Jesus goes down and then raises the friend from the dead. <laughs> Okay, so if we're going to try to be, put your shoes in the early bishops of the church, Jesus we know is sinless, you know, that he's the son of God. So he's not going to kick his friend out the window. Maybe that's where Jesus' kick comes from, I don't know. But that's something that we can just say, all right, this isn't orthodox. It's not in line with the teaching. So therefore, as we know, the gospel of Thomas is not concluded in the Bible. All right, so we say, who is the author of the Bible? Is it God or is it men? Because we know there's individual authors for each book from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the short answer, my friends, is, is that God chose men and employed them to use their own gifts and abilities so that with God acting in them and through them, they were entrusted to write everything and only those things that God wanted contained in Holy Scripture. The divine and the human, my friends, cannot be seen as ex mutually exclusive. And as Christians, and what we talked about just at the beginning of the incarnation, we kind of get that. Of the divine person, the word becoming flesh. The divine and the human coming together. And so in this similar way, we can say that the scriptures were written by human beings, but not to downplay their divine origins. The two go hand in hand. All right, one quick note, too, that's important for us, especially as Catholics and what our faith teaches, is that each book of the Bible, the Old Testament and the New Testament, were all written during a certain time period, not all at the same time, that there was a certain author that wrote them that was being inspired by the Holy Spirit. They used different literary styles, and therefore, when we read the different books of the Bible, we need to know about that information, the context, so that we correctly interpret what God's trying to tell us as his people. The awesome thing about the internet these days is there's so many scripture scholars that we can look to that the church supports and says is orthodox in line with the faith where we can find the context of the scripture so that when we're reading it, we're getting the message and the revelation that God's trying to intend in the proper context. Very important for us. My friends, before we dive into the gospel today, I want to just talk about a few practicals. I love the practicals. So it's important for us as Catholics, as Christians to read the Bible, and to not just read it today, but to read it every day. So to a few questions for you. Number one, do you have a Bible? Not at home that you got from your first communion, but a Bible here in your dorm or your house here in Aggieland. And is it a Catholic Bible? Yes, the Catholic Bible, the one that has the 73 books that was passed down from those three, from when it was first compiled. If you have a Protestant Bible, it'll be missing seven books that were taken out by Martin Luther at the Protestant Reformation. Also, does your Bible sit on your shelf and collect dust, or are you using it to put it by your bed or your reading chair so that you're able to open the Word every day and allow the living Word to pierce your heart? It's easiest to begin in the Gospels if you're looking for a place to start, 
to read a verse, a couple verses, maybe a chapter each day or at least every couple days, at least once a week. Another one is Father Mike Schmitz. Maybe some of you are already listening to his podcast. It was the number one podcast out of all the secular podcasts, actually. Um, I think it might have just, the New York Times might have just taken his place. So let's help him out and, and have more listeners to get him back at number one. But it's awesome, 20 minutes a day that you can listen to Father Mike this entire year to receive the entire Bible that you listen in this podcast, and he has a short little homily as well. I've already heard awesome fruits coming from that. So another thing I encourage you. The next one is if you want to go a little next level on us, one important document that I've been using even in this homily I encourage you to read would be De Verbum, De Verbum, the Word of God, that's Latin, D-E-I. V-E-R-B-U-M. You can find it if you Google it. It's a document from the Second Vatican Council. Not too long. It would be awesome. Grab a couple friends, some coffee, read De Verbum to greater have an awesome understanding of the Word of God. Finally, we got the Seek Conference coming up in two weeks. Whoops. <laughs> Thank you. It's awesome. We already got 380 Catholics, Aggie Catholics going. We want to hit 500. Seek focus. They're all about helping you to open the word of God and bringing it into your own life. That seat conference is going to be in Brian in two weeks. Sign up if you're not already signed up. And from that, you're able to even join maybe a focused Bible study to help enrich your life with scripture. All right. One final thing is that we know that the living word of God is for us. It's living and active. We're told in Hebrews, it's meant to encourage us in this life. And it's a way that God speaks to us in prayer, my friends, that we speak to the Lord in the silence and he speaks to the depths of our heart in prayer. All right, so we're going to, I know I'm not going too long, but we got to open the word on Word of God Sunday, you know, so here we go. All right, so in our gospel today, we're going to focus in on this. So if you have the Bible or you got maybe every sacred Sunday, follow along. So we're going to be in the gospel of Mark 1. This is verse 14 through 20. Now, whenever you heard the gospel today, you might be like, whoa, Father Chris, call by name Sunday was last Sunday. What's this? Call by name Sunday part two? You know, we got the similar gospel reading of the calling of John and Peter and Andrew and James, but that was what the gospel was about last week as well. Well, here's a little thing to clue you in. Last week's gospel was from the gospel of John. This one is from the gospel of Mark. So we begin by with the Gospel of Mark today, after John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee to proclaiming the Gospel of God. After John the Baptist had been arrested. If you think back to last Sunday, John the Baptist was actually read in the scripture, in the Gospel of John, the account of, of John. That John the Baptist is there at the Jordan River, the disciples are with him. He points to Jesus who's approaching the river and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In our gospel today, John has been arrested. So this can clue us in to say, wow, maybe this account from the gospel of Mark takes place a little bit after John's account at the river of Jordan. So we know that Peter, James, and John, and Andrew were there at the Jordan River with John the Baptist, that they could even be his disciples. So then we can make this conclusion that now we're back in Galilee. So after the John the Baptist is arrested, that Peter, James, and John, who encountered Jesus at the river, they're like, all right, I guess we just go back to fishing back in Galilee. So maybe out of fear, maybe not knowing what to do, they go back to their trade of fishing in Galilee. We see a similar instance, if you remember, after the resurrection. The apostles, they're fearing a little bit of what's going on, and they just decide to go back to Galilee and fish. A similar reaction that they have from our gospel today. Now the key thing is, and this leads us into 
Um, as Jesus was at the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they abandoned their nets and followed him. That they abandoned their nets, left their life, left their families, and followed Jesus. Now, my friends, this can make a little bit more sense because we know that they first encountered Jesus in John's Gospel's account at the River Jordan where they knew, behold the Lamb of God, that is the Messiah that they had been waiting for. So however much time had passed to this second encounter with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit had been working to convict them in their hearts and in their minds that this was Jesus the Messiah, that they wanted to give their lives to him and to spread that good news with him. And so therefore they could easily drop their necks at that second encounter, that second invitation to follow Jesus. Makes a little more sense, right? All right, finally, just to close in terms of this gospel, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Now, for us, we hear that enough, especially when we're talking about the priesthood and vocations. But it's actually a little bit of a weird image, if we think about it. Anytime in the New Testament we hear maybe a little bit of a weird image, most likely it's being drawn from the Old Testament. Because we know the first apostles of Jesus, they're good Jews. So they know the scriptures, they know the Torah, they know the teachings of the Jewish law. And that's exactly what's happening today. This fishers of men image is actually coming from Jeremiah and his writings. So if we go to Jeremiah, this is chapter 16. A little bit of context. Jeremiah is saying, one day the people of Israel are going to forget the exodus of Egypt. The exodus of Egypt where Moses led the people out of slavery and then to the promised land. And Jeremiah is saying one day that exodus is going to be forgotten because there's a new exodus coming. The new exodus of the Messiah who's coming to save us and free us, but he's not taking us to the promised land that's here on earth, but he's taking us to the new Jerusalem, a heavenly Jerusalem. And so in that context, Jeremiah says, verse 16, Look, oracle of the Lord, I will send many fishermen to catch them. And he continues on that these fishermen will bring all people to God. I will send many fishermen to catch them. So Jesus, when he's here saying that I will make you fishers of men, these apostles have on their hearts and on their mind Jeremiah, knowing that this is the Messiah and he has called each one of them in their personal mission to go out and bring all men and women to the Messiah on this journey that he can take them of the new exodus to the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, which is heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I feel like you had to do that when you're like breaking open scripture like that, you know? Awesome. And that's the exact path that the Lord's inviting you and I today. We know as Christians, Jesus is the Messiah, that he has promised us that he has prepared a place for us in heaven, and that this life that we're on in the messiness of life, in our own doubts and fears, that we have a Messiah that has called each one of us by our very baptism to go out and bring our fellow students maybe sitting next to us, maybe in our dorm rooms or in our classrooms, for them all to know the Messiah that they may know Jesus Christ, that they may know his love and his mercy, and then journey with him in this life and into the next. So my friends, as we close up on reflecting on the word of God, on this word of God Sunday. <clears throat> I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to stir in your heart as you encounter the word, not only today, but every single day. Pope Benedict, in his exhortation on the Word of God called Verbum Domini, said, In the third millennium, not only are there still many peoples who have not come to know the good news, but also there are a great number of Christians 
who need to have the word of God once more persuasively proclaimed to them so that they can concretely experience the power of the gospel. My brothers and sisters, as Jesus says in our gospel today, now is the time for fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Believe in the word. Consume the word. Be transformed by the word. Live the word. Be the word to a world that desperately needs it. Thank you for listening to Aggie Catholic Homilies. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Be sure to check out our sister podcast, Aggie Catholic Talks, to hear talks from Magnify, Catholicism 101, and more. Thanks, God bless, and gigum.